This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins, powered by BetUS. 879-BETUS or BetUS.com. Well, here we are. Yet another crazy week of the NFL, trying to figure out when the Patriots are going to play. Should they have played on Monday night? But yes, here we are. It looks like the Broncos and the Patriots are going to play on Monday night yet again this coming week. And technically, it's not Monday night. It's actually Monday late afternoon, early evening. What day is it? I don't even know what day it is anymore. (laughs) A five o'clock Eastern time. Uh, kickoff. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, episode 12, brought to you by betus.com. Greg, your thoughts of everything that has happened over the last couple of days since the last time we spoke? Uh, well, what day is this? Like, I don't, it, it's so <laughs> weird. We were talking before we came on, like, part of the allure of um, covering the NFL, and, and not a lot of people know this about me, but when I was coming up through the ranks at the Palm Beach Post, I did a lot of everything. I basically started at the bottom. I was an agate clerk, which is the person who does like the paramutual results on the back of the paper and things like that. But I worked my way up from the very bottom and to the point where I covered a little bit of everything coming up, um, you know, from professional golf to, you know, NBA. To, I, I did everything. And and I did a few Marlins road trips and uh, baseball was my thing. I mean, I played uh, in college and, and, uh, but you know, I also covered football and I, and I remember the, the, the editors of the Palm Beach Post brought me in, um, one day and I was like, oh crap, they're going to name me backup Marlins writer. And I was just like, I don't want to cover baseball. I don't want to get divorced. I love my wife. Like I, it's just, it, that's a hard, hard life. And yeah, football is much easier to cover and have like a family and have a real life because yeah, there are crazy parts like, you know, playoff runs, training camp, like all that stuff. But like during the season, it's pretty much by the book. Like it's the same thing every week. Like, you know, you'll have a game on Sunday, then you get the coach on Monday, player day off on Tuesday, you do some film stuff. And then, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're in the locker room covering the team Saturdays off getting ready for the game. So every week is the same. So that's great. But man, all of that has gotten thrown into just a ringer this year. And like, I feel for, yeah, I feel for everybody involved, you know, for, from the players to the coaches, to the, uh, to the families and things like that. It's just, um, it's, it's hard. Like, I, I don't think people quite understand and, you know, forget about the media. Like nobody cares and nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about the media, but like everything is, they're all creatures of habit in this game. And for, I don't think people, I don't think people comprehend how hard it is to go what they went through last week. Like the, you know, you, you think you're going to play on Sunday, you practice through Friday, getting ready. All right. Everything's tied up. And then you play, then it's pushed off to Monday to where you're flying out and back the same day. It's basically a 24 hour day. I don't think people understand how hard that is for a professional athlete. Um, that is used to a certain way. And it's the same thing this week. I mean, they have any Nick it's Friday now about 11 o'clock. They haven't even been in the building yet and they're supposed to play on Monday. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just, I I just think the whole thing is absurd. And, and people know we talked about it the other day. Some of my um, anger and frustration with the NFL, I wrote a column about it at, at BSJ. I just, uh, 
I, I just think that the, the NFL, like we talked about before, had the benefit of time and planning out of all the leagues. And what kind of plan did they come up with? It was, we're going to do the same crap that we always do. Like, screw a pandemic. Nothing affects the NFL. We'll be fine. We'll do that. Well, I mean, it's just the height of arrogance. Like, did they really think, Nick, when they when they sat down and they planned this or watching what's going on with all these other leagues, did they really think they were going to just skate through the season, all 16 yeah. games? And I mean, that's the way they, they plan the whole season. Like, I would have done, and I put this in my column on, at BSJ, I would have sat down I said, look, I would have said, look, every single professional sport has had to change. All, everyone's schedule has changed. They've all given away revenue, TV revenue. Baseball shrunk down to 60 games. NBA, whatever they ended up playing in the, in the bubble, the NHL, same thing. If I were the NFL, I would have been like, all right, let's be pragmatic about this. Let's cut this down to – let's cut this down into portions, all right? First of all, what we definitely need to try to do is get, get the division games out of the way as soon as possible, just so – when it comes to the division, if we end up having playoffs, at least we'll know which teams from each division are the best. We could just go with two teams from each division. Get the division, get the divisional games out of the way. Get the one interconference by seeding. So for the Patriots, it would be the Texans and the Ravens right. this year. Yep. Add those to the three divisional games and then have sort of, you know, boxes of four games. Four games by just in case something happens, four games by. And then if you get to it, you play the other division. So it's the AFC West, like the Broncos this week for the Patriots. If you get to that, you get to that. But everybody plays 12 games. There's three buys built in. And what I also would have done was I would have said, for this season, we are eliminating the bye week. Because, Nick, what have you heard about, well, we can't add a week 18 and week 19 because, God forbid, the number one seed is off for three weeks, which the Ravens did last year to themselves. <laughs> and so – you eliminate the buys this year. You go to eight playoff teams in each conference because we're not it's we're not going to know who the best teams are. Let's make it a little bit more of an open tournament for this year. And then so everybody's playing every week. Everybody's on the same playing field every week. And did the NFL do anything close to that? No. They just went with 16 games, full playoffs. We're going to do what we're going to do and it's just I it's I I'm just it's just stupid. It's stupid. I mean, it, it's been so reactionary, and I think that's the issue. When you're dealing with this, the other leagues have been proactive. They've gotten ahead of it with different plans, mm -hmm. different ideas, different contingencies. And it seems to be the case with the NFL that they're just going minute to minute, flying by the seat of their pants, so to speak, and reacting to every situation in a different kind of way. And it, it brings chaos. I mean, we, we, of course, we talk Let's about be honest. the Patriots. They're just here. making shit up as they go along. <laughs> I, I mean, mean basically. We, yeah. I mean, we, we talk about the Patriots here because it's a Patriots podcast, but look at the Titans and look at the Bills and, and the Chiefs, that situation. The Titans are now going to play on Tuesday night, fingers crossed, if they actually are able to do that. They haven't been in their facility for upwards of two weeks. Now, of course, they've got to take a lot of responsibility because they're yep. holding private practices at private schools which just blows my mind, but you've got this Titan situation. Now they play on Tuesday. Well, that now affects the bills because the bills were supposed to play on Sunday and then Thursday. Now the Thursday game is blown out against the chiefs. That's going to move 
to Sunday. It's it's chaos, and it's chaos because, as you're saying, the NFL didn't really have a good enough plan. They weren't willing to be flexible and fluid and understand that this is different. They were stubborn. They were arrogant, and now there's a lot of shuffling, and even to the point they don't want to tack on an extra week or two at the end of the season, which is at least something to try to get ahead of this instead of going week to week and going, uh Oh, I mean, what if, listen, we stay out of politics. It's not my realm. You know, I'm not paid to talk about politics in the political world, but let's just go by what scientists and data and doctors are saying. It's likely that in the late fall winter months, this is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. So what happens then? I mean, If we have a couple of teams, and we don't know, hopefully this doesn't happen because overall the NFL has not been on fire. The NFL has, you know, a couple of isolated issues. The Tennessee Titans is a huge issue. The Patriots thing is kind of a mess. But overall, we're talking 32 teams. They've overall been okay. What happens if they're not okay in the late fall or, or, you know, early winter months? What happens if you hit late November, early December, and you might have four or five teams? And what else is, it's so obvious to me, Greg, what is also obvious about this is, you know, when, when you look at the late week testing, what happens when somebody tests late in the week? That's the problem they're going to have because Cam tested on Friday night. We found out Saturday morning. Now the Jets today, this morning, mm-hmm. they have a presumptive, a presumptive positive test. And now they've been sent home today. These late positives late week positives are almost impossible to handle and so it's going to be a mess we'll see what happens again the game is scheduled it's friday morning at 11 a.m it's supposed to happen monday at five o'clock hopefully it does well let's move on though greg bedard patriots podcast with nick cattles here let's actually talk some football some patriots awards i mean we're through the first quarter of the season and yeah, why course, not? I, we don't I even think, know if we're having a game on Monday. Like, let's, let's, let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah, right. And so thinking of thinking of having some fun, I, I think overall this team is pretty much where we thought it would be, big picture. Yep. If you looked at the schedule, you thought, okay, they'd lose at Seattle. They'd lose at Kansas City. Yep. I think they've played better than we thought they would, and those games had been closer than we thought that they would be. Well, let's talk about some awards. First, let's start with the MVP of the Patriots. Who do you got? I went with right now, I went with Lawrence guy and you could certainly make an argument for Cam Newton, um, him missing the last game sort of contemplate, uh, complicates that. And so does, uh, quite frankly, his performance in the game before that, who did they play? (laughs) Everything is like melding together. The Raiders. That's right. Um, he was not good in that game and they still ended up winning that game. But I just think that, um, you know, just, uh, stick it in Felger's face. Uh, I'm going with Lawrence guy because look, he doesn't have a running mate next to him in the middle of the line. They did a great job of stopping the run the other night against the chiefs. That was the whole key to that defensive performance was that they, they had to stop the run with minimal guy, uh, minimal people tasked for that. And right. Lawrence guy had to take on like two and three blockers at a time. I thought he did a great job. And I just think this, this team would be completely screwed without Lawrence guy in the middle there. And I think that ties into your least valuable player in a weird kind of way. Who's your least valuable player, my least valuable player right now. And look, it's not 
of his own doing, we think. I don't know. Nobody knows. The man of mystery himself, <laughs> Bo Allen. The man with a ponytail that goes down to almost his butt. That's the, the man only of mystery. My my lasting image of Bo Allen is him standing on the sideline inside Gillette when they had that walkthrough during training camp. And there he was with his glorious ponytail and just he was just standing there. You couldn't he didn't do anything. You couldn't tell anything. But nobody <laughs> knows what is you to stand there. Yeah, he's just uh, who, who knows? I think he's still standing there. He probably just spends his time standing on the Gillette sideline. But um, yeah, I mean, he they signed him. He's supposed to be the guy there. They didn't sign Danny Shelton to bring in Bo Allen. And, and you know, right now it hasn't hurt them, even though, you know, you could make the argument that it. It has hurt them because in Seattle, the run defense wasn't very good. Um, but he's, yeah, he's my least valuable player right now. All right. Your best offensive player. It's got to be Cam. I mean, I just think that uh, through the first two games, he carried this offense in different ways. Um, yes, we know now that the Seattle performance uh, was a bit of fool's gold because Seattle is like the worst passing defense in NFL history. Um, but he still did a great job in that game. He threw with anticipation against the Dolphins. He did it running with his legs. Uh, hopefully he gets back in the building soon because um, I, I'd love to see what they're capable of with more work. And with each passing week, they were adding more and more to the offense. So uh, Cam's my offensive player. Yeah, and from what we know, we should mention Cam and Gilmore continue to be asymptomatic. And in the NFL, if you get two negative tests 24 hours apart, uh, you're able to come back. So it, it sounds like so far, so pretty good with Cam as far as it goes with symptoms and all that. We'll see if he's actually a part of the game. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. Uh, your, your disappointing offensive player. Dalton Keene. Uh, not that I had high hopes for this Is this kid. a physical problem or is this now a Dalton Keene problem? I think it's a Dalton Keene problem because uh, – Yes, he had a neck injury at one point, but he's been off the injury report the last two or three weeks. And yeah. so this is now a Dalton. I mean, we talked a little bit about him, <laughs> obviously too much uh, in the podcast going into <laughs> the, the Chiefs game, thinking like, all right, well, maybe this is a fullback game. Maybe, yeah, maybe they were saving Dalton Keene for the Chiefs. They're yeah. going to unleash him. Yeah, Nick. maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, that didn't happen. He was inactive again. He's been active, inactive every week. In camp, he was fine. He was a bit of a big puppy in that, like, he was all over the place and you needed sort of a pen to keep him, like, pointed <laughs> in the right direction. But uh, he showed some progress, and I think they will get something out of him at some point. It's just, um, yeah, it's been disappointing that he hasn't he, – he, He's been active. He's been healthy. He's been a healthy scratch. That's disappointing. All right, let's talk about this guy because I don't think we've talked about him nearly enough on this podcast. You have him as your best defensive player. I'm talking about who? Chase Winovich. Yep. The guy with the golden locks. That's right. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Aliens, Mr. Um, Pterodactyls. He's a character, man. He's man, a character. He is, well, the thing is, is like, I, I don't mind him. I do I do have a feeling that he could get a little bit in, insufferable, like the bigger he gets, because the difference between him and Gronkowski is like Gronk never took himself seriously, like ever. And yeah. what you saw with Gronk is what you, what you got. But with Winovich, 
Like he is keenly aware of P- and monitors like people's reactions to him, whether it's social media, the crowd, like he feeds off of that stuff. And so he, so, some of it's an act, but I do look, I don't really give a crap. I, I just care about him on the field and he's been a hell of a player to this point. He's done a great job. He's um, I, I would say he's gotten a lot stronger this year. Uh, he realized his deficiencies in the run game last year, got stronger, uh, is doing a great job at the point of attack, and he's been a good pass rusher. I mean, I, I think I think he is capable if he keeps his flexibility. I am worried a little bit about him that he that he might get a little bit stiff um, in the hips. The the stronger he gets and the more he plays, but if he can keep that flexibility, I think he will be uh, more and more of an impact, impactful player on the outside. You know, I was excited to watch one of their rookies this year because I was reading all the reports from camp about how Josh Uche, he might not have everything figured out, but he was showing up and he was making some explosive plays and he could maybe help with the pass rush. Uh, But uh, unfortunately for Josh, through the first quarter of the season, you have him as your disappointing defensive player. Yeah, quite a very strange trip for him so far in his rookie year. I mean, basically in training camp, from day one, he was a starter inside linebacker. And that's where he was all the time when we were out there as a media watching practice. And then all of a sudden, once we left, something happened. And Brandon Copeland was out there. And Anthony Jennings was out there, even though Jennings started to get more time uh, once he came off the injury list. And um, to the point where, you know, Uche was a, you know, you're, you're basically you're one of your top draft picks this year who was a starter in camp and getting a lot of reps was a healthy scratch in week one. Now he has had injuries. All of a sudden a foot injury cropped up. Who knows if that's the Foxborough flu or what, but um, (laughs) he, uh, he just, they've gotten nothing out of him. And I am, if you would have told me that at the end of camp, when I left the the practices open to media. If you would have told me that Josh Uche is going to have no role through the first four games of the Patriots season, I'd be like, you, you're crazy. He had he must have gotten a season ending injury or something because he was out there all the time. It's it's mysterious. And we look at this rookie class. You know, you look at all the guys that we talked about before the season. We talked about Uche. We talked about Duggar when the season began. We've talked about even Jennings a little bit and. The one guy that we really did not talk about a lot, yep. and it's because of the position he plays, because nobody wants to talk about the fat guys up front. But the best rookie so far, I mean, this is an easy call for you and everybody else, I think. Michael Onwenu has been absolutely freaking terrific. He has been. And, you know, and part of the reason we didn't talk about him is because, you know, their offensive line was pretty stocked, um, yeah. especially at his position. I mean, which Shaq Mason and Joe Tooney were like, well, right. we'll never see this kid. And so, uh, or at least until and Illuminor, next year. And Illuminor had a really yeah. good camp at tackle. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, he's done a dynamite job. He was my best player in the last game. Uh, he's been up there just about every week when he's been out there. Now, do I think that some of the PFF stuff that's out there about, like, he's the best rookie. And, I mean, give me a break. I mean, <laughs> What a bunch of crap. I mean, like, I'm really, just, you're going to you put some reserve guard over, like, uh, uh, who's the Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow and Becton, the left tackle of the Jets. Like, really? Like, we're not – I mean, come on. 
let's let's get serious. But he's done he's done a really good job. He's it's strange. He he plays a lot bigger. I mean, he just is bigger than you really could tell in practice because we're so far away. But like now, I mean, the dude is just humongous, and I don't know how people are going to get by him. And the thing is, he can actually move too, which is unusual. Yeah. Yeah, he's got that flexibility up front, which is just big for this offensive line. And I thought it was a, a huge key on Monday night when you're watching that game against Kansas City. They're down three of their starting offensive linemen, and you really couldn't tell. And that's that's a pretty big deal as we move forward this season. Uh, last one as far as our awards. Uh, unfortunately, we talked about the best rookie. We puffed up on Renu because he's been so good. Now it's time to uh, go after one specific rookie, and his name is Devin Asiasi. Yeah, just um, nothing out of him. I mean, he – I don't even think he has one target um, so far this year, and, and he hasn't played very much. And this is another guy who uh, I would say about day two or day three of camp got a lot of run in practice. And then from there, it's been a slow slide downhill for him. And – the the only thing that I've been able to ascertain from talking to people around the team is just um, at some point for every rookie, uh, it's not a rookie wall, but it's a rookie realization of where you are, who you're playing against, how hard it's going to be. Yeah. And for some kids, for some people, uh, especially the younger kids, you know, of of today, they don't really realize that you know they've been used to things coming to them easy and quickly and they're not used to some kids aren't and this this even goes for some of the kids I coach in baseball and softball and stuff like that it's just they 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 aren't used to encountering adversity and whether that's the parents doing this to them the coaches kissing their butts but they're not used to dealing with adversity and some kids once they do encounter that adversity they don't know what to do and whereas you know when we were growing up it was we were taught to push through that adversity and embrace the inverse adversity. You're going to deal with it. That's what the best players overcome that stuff throughout their career. And right now, Asiasi having a tough time with that. He just is. And they haven't, you, as coaches, you have to find the right buttons to push to get a kid to push through that. And so far they haven't now, you know, he's, he's shown that he's a good athlete. I don't know how much ability he has getting down the field. It's okay. I mean, I would put him up there. You know, when I watch a lot of Tampa Bay games because of Tom Brady, I see O.J. Howard out there. And O.J. Howard isn't exactly killing people down the field. And I would say Ossie Ossie is similar to O.J. Howard in terms of downfield ability. I don't, I don't think they're that great. I don't think there's many great tight ends in this league anymore. And, uh, you know, so, they, you know, they have not lost hope for him. He's out there. He's get, he seems to get more and more time, but they need something out of him or they're going to have to go make a trade. All right, we got Bedard's what's hot, what's not list coming up. We also got to break down this Broncos game for a couple of minutes. That's coming up on Monday, late afternoon, evening. But first, we got to get paid. We want to get you paid. Greg, tell us about BetUS.com. Yeah, listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back, and that means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why, you ask? BetUS is the – why? I'll tell you why, Nick. BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the biz. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity. 
and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, all sorts of crazy prop bets and futures. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Go to BetUS.com now and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. This is important. When you get to the how did you hear about us box, type in Boston Sports Journal, and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. Make sure you put in Boston Sports Journal and not BSJ. And by the way, I'm just going to BetUS.com. I have this um, bookmarked right here. I just want to check the line on this game. Is it is it up or is it? I do not see a line. Oh, they're this waiting. This is week see? five, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't they're think waiting. they. Yeah, I don't think they have much confidence that this game's going to go off when they say they're going to go <laughs> off or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, that's the, that's where the we are in the NFL version. these days. Yeah. Yeah. BetUS.com. Check them out. BostonSportsJournal.com. Not Badad. Not BSJ. Boston Sports Journal. All right. Uh, a couple of things before we get to that Broncos game that is coming up, Greg. You've got a what's hot, what's not list. And let's first start with the things that you're confident in. And uh, umero, numero uno that I see is uh, one and only Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I think that Josh has done a tremendous job this year. I know I agree. Th- there were a lot of questions coming in. I think, you know, Nick, you were even one of these people, you know, you sports talk types where you talked about, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you talked about, you know, people with the most pressure on them Yes, this year yes. with the Patriots. And I think that McDaniels was on everyone's list in terms of, pressure hey no more tb12 no more goat how's he gonna look is he just ordinary you know i think we know now that josh mcdaniels can pretty pretty much coordinate anything uh maybe even a kindergarten class at this point but i mean i think he's just done a great job uh, melding in considering there was no off season barely any training camp no preseason games and for them to be you know, pretty productive on offense uh, in every game in some sort of different fashion, including with Brian Hoyer last week. And people can say what they want about that game. I mean, but they had four drives with Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham, four drives of 11 plays or more, three drives of 13 plays with Brian Hoyer against the, the defending Super Bowl champions. And and I know that there were some plays that were left on the field by by those quarterbacks. And so you look at that, and I, I just think that Josh has done a tremendous job. And we've even talked about, I mean, no Devin Asiasi, no Dalton Keene, guys that they, they thought they were going to have at their disposal. Um, James White has been out for games. I mean, the, the offensive line is in flux. Whatever it is, McDaniels has made it work. And I think I think it's looked really good on offense so far. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, with a shortened window, a new quarterback, really a new system, what you call, when you call it, the juggling of what's happened early on in the season, the offensive line stuff, the running backs with Michelle getting her. I think he's been overall terrific. There's been some calls. There's been some calls <laughs> that you shake your head at and you wonder what's going on. But I mean, 98% of the time, I think McDaniels has been terrific. Uh, we don't have a ton of time, so let's get to the worried about list. Yep. Because, uh, you know, we could talk about tight ends, and we already talked about Asiasi and Dalton Keene. I-, I want to hone in on Julian Edelman. He had a couple of drops on Monday night, Greg. Again, he leads the league in the NFL. He leads the league in, in drops since 2018. One of them, of course, was a pick six on Monday night. You're worried about Julian. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I, he. Uh, when I see – and he's always had drops, but 
when I see the way that he's playing on the field, the way that he's running his routes, plus the drops, plus sort of like his energy level, um, you know, I see I see an athlete that is sort of he's at that intersection where physically at his age and he's almost I think in like a week, he's like 35. Um, he, I think it's going, I think it's going downhill for him. I think he's losing it. I think he's losing it quickly. When you see receivers start to drop balls, um, that's always been an indication that it's that, that, that they're, they're losing it. And, um, and I still think, look, I still think he can play good football. I still think he's a warrior just because he's losing. It doesn't mean that he's just going to be incapable of doing anything. I just think, I think it's going down the, the, the wrong side. And I think the Patriots, it might behoove them if he can have a good performance here coming up at some point to maybe try to trade him and, and, and sell high on him and, you know, maybe give him to Tommy and Tampa or something like that. Um, you know, those guys Wait, seem you, to be idiots. Down you would there. think about dealing a receiver. I'm thinking about dealing for a receiver. Well, yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would get a receiver or tight end, but that doesn't mean that I wouldn't ship out a receiver. Um, hmm. You know, if if you – it depends what the Patriots think of Gunnar Olszewski and also Jacoby Myers because they're sort of the next men up. And um, I thought Gunnar got off to a good start the other night with his first game. Um, but I just think that, like, if you can get something for Julian Edelman at this point, I don't know if he's going to last – the big thing is I don't think he's going to last the season. And – so if you don't think that, then, you know, maybe try to get something for him. But I mean, I love Julian. He's a boss, not a captain on this team, which I think is another indicator of stuff that's going on. And uh, I would think about trading him and moving on and trying to sell high, get something for him and sort of start the process. Yeah, I think you need to add and not subtract there. Let's get to uh, the Fair. Broncos game uh, offensively. Brett Rippon, we saw him. On uh, national TV last week, he had some good. He had some very bad undrafted quarterback. Yep. Uh, and then you've got really a, a number of injuries. Cortland Sutton, Hamler, Fant, they're all banged up. Fant was banged up last week against the Jets. Yep. Uh, you're really looking at Jerry Judy. And I know also you've got Melvin Gordon. Philip Lindsay's probably going to come back this week. Yep. So you got a couple of good backs. And, you know, you look overall, Greg, I, I think your biggest issue, aside from Brett Rippon, would probably be the injuries and the offensive line here for Denver. Yeah, I just think they're I think their offensive line is terrible. And I think they, you know, they um they haven't put Drew Locke in a good situation. And and Elway's always had this problem since he's been there. I don't know. Like they do have some good players. I mean, look, you know, Bradley Chubb is a good player and Gordon's a good player when he's healthy. And Shelby Harris in the middle on defense is a good defensive tackle. Justin Simmons, the BC product of safety is a tremendous player. Um, I hope, I hope he shows out in this game a little bit because he is, he's a sensational safety and people should get a really good look at him. Uh, I just think the O-line is terrible. I mean, you know, I was looking at the pre PFF ratings, um, for them and they have Garrett Bowles, the left tackle with actually a good grade. And I refuse to believe that grade because <laughs> every other time that I've seen Garrett Bowles play, he has been absolutely terrible and a turnstile. So I don't know what's going on there. We'll see. Maybe he's improved and we'll see that on Monday or whenever the hell they play this game. But, you know, Cushenberry at center is just, he's horrible. 
and I mean, they should just run right through there. I, they shouldn't have any trouble stopping this offense. I do think Fangio's, you know, he's always been a good coordinator. They have talented guys at all three levels on the defense. I wouldn't say they're abundantly talented, but they do have guys who can wreck your, your day. I just, I think the Patriots should have an easy time in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at the plan going in, if you're Denver's defense this year, was to have those two powerful edge rushers. You would have Chubb and you would have Miller. Yep. Miller with another injury, he goes down. looks like he's done for the year, although he says he wants to come back. But if he comes back, it's going to be very late in the season, pretty much useless at that point. So you lose Miller. Chubb is still trying to get back from the ACL a year ago. So that pretty much blows up your plan. You've got a young secondary on the offensive side, I agree with you. The offensive line is not very good. I love Jerry Judy. I think he's going to be a good yep. one. He's one of the best route runners I've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the injuries, Cortland Sutton, Hamler, Fant. Also, obviously, their starting quarterback, uh, Drew Locke, is not going to be playing in this game. And it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting plan by Elway because you go young on offense, you put all your eggs in the Drew Locke basket, but yet in front of the young quarterback, you don't have a very good offensive line. It. Which doing can, it with which Burrow can, and you know. Cincinnati too. I mean, it's just, I, I don't, I don't get it. You're trying to get these kids killed. Start with the offensive line, and then yeah, it's move it's outwards. just crazy. Yep. Uh, let's jump to our BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Check them out over at BSJ for 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis from Badad on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Let's go to uh, two D's two D's wants to know, Greg, uh, do you happen to know if Isaiah Zuber's hands are suspect? He's been active for two weeks, has run two jet sweeps with zero targets. Thanks for hosting these weekly chats. <laughs> yeah. I have one coming up uh, as soon as we're done with this, but um, it's a good question. And uh, the reason I picked this question is because I wanted to give people a little inside dirt about, um, you know, one of the plays in this past game. So, yeah. So to answer your question to these, yes, Isaiah Zuber's hands are suspect. Uh, he, he, he was in, inconsistent catching the ball during, during training camp. Uh, he makes some great catches. He drops some easy ones, but I will say it appeared to me that, uh, Isaiah Zuber was supposed to have a target in that game and it was supposed to be in a very big spot. But it looked like the quarterback, Jared Stidham, took things upon himself. And so so what happened was, Nick, Ooh. do you remember that fourth and one play? There was like, I don't know, about four or five minutes left in the game, and they're driving, and there was a fourth and one play, and Stidham uh, sneaked, sneaked it. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. So if you watch that play, and it's even more pronounced on the coach's film, uh, Isaiah Zuber runs a, runs a go. He's the only receiver on that play. He comes into the game, and you're like, well, well this is weird because all Zuber's done is run jet sweeps. And at the snap, Zuber flies down the field, and he looks back for the ball. And so I don't know if, if Stidham had a two-way go on that. Um, I've never seen that before in the Patriots offense, or he just decided, you know what, I don't want to throw this pass. I'm just going to sneak it. But – the Patriots were running a four, and it and it would make more sense if Stidham was supposed to throw that pass because we're all watching the game. We're like, they realize what the score is and the time. It was like Andy Reid's drive in the Eagles Super Bowl. Um, yeah. 
it was like they do know what's going on, right? And and so I think he I think Stidham was supposed to throw that pass to Zuber there. I think they were trying to take a shot um and get a score and 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 get back into the game momentarily. Um, but I think Stidham just decided to sneak the ball. And so, you know, there you have it. They they were I think they wanted to throw to Zuber in a big spot, so his hands aren't stone, but we'll have to see. Interesting. That's an interesting little nugget. See, that's why you listen to the Greg Bedard exactly. Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, especially you listen till the very, very end because you never know what kind of nugget <laughs> that you're going to get. Uh, we'll see if this game actually happens on Monday, late afternoon, early evening between the Patriots, Broncos, both Greg and I like the Patriots. Uh, even, you know, if Cam's not out there, they should still win this game. It might be a little closer without Cam but we think they should get by the Broncos. Broncos offense should have a very yes. tough time against this Patriots defense. Mm -hmm. uh, until next time, we'll recap the Broncos Patriots game. And who knows? It's 2020. Anything else that happens. It's, it's nuts. It's crazy. It's the uh, Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by BetUS.com. <laughs>